0: go Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 13th, 2010. Newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, scroll down to the front page, look at all the other sites I have up there, and bookmark them for future use, because once in a while, the big ones go down. And that way, you can always pull the latest shows down from the alternate sites. And the only official sites I have that are actually mine, uh, there's a copy copy ones out there too. Sometimes you'll see ones with my name on it that's not mine. It's Alan Watt, uh, Cutting Through The Matrix. dot uh, ca. There's Cutting Through The Cutting Through. Cutting dot and Alan Watt Sentinel dot EU. now the sentinel site is the European site has all, all the same audios for download but it has addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given and you can choose from the various languages of Europe download and print them up and pass them around to your friends and I always start the show rather than borrow the uh, most of the way through the show like most people do with the tin can time this is the tin can this is when I put out the tin can and I tell you that uh, you're the only people who support me because the advertisers that pay for the show pay directly to RBN. I've got nothing to do with it. I don't even uh, communicate with uh, the advertisers. And that pays for the airtime and the staff and uh, the broadcasting on RBN. And it pays for their board ops and their bills. So it's up to you to keep me going here. I don't take... You see, generally hosts take money from advertisers And they promote the advertisers, bring them on as guests and all that. But I I like to get on with basically the news or what's really happening. So, as I say, it's up to you to support me, you the audience. And you can do so by buying the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, And you can donate to me. Now, in the U.S., personal check is good to Canada. Uh, So is international postal money order. At your post office, it's a prepaid money order. Uh, if you don't like banks, and uh, remember to stress international. Don't come away with the green one, that's the one that's safe inside the US. The pink communist one is for international, and that gets to me because Canada, as believe you me, is a very socialist communist country. And you can also donate through PayPal, you see the PayPal button on all my sites, and you can purchase the books and so on as well by sending a separate email to me that you want to use PayPal to purchase. Outside the Americas you can use the same methods of payment plus Western Union, Uh, MoneyGram is another alternative and you can send cash. That's one thing the banks always do they accept cash from everywhere. Uh, Mind you, they they, they also take quite a whack of a fee But not as much as some of the big wire companies That wire the cash across For those that get the discs burned by people with computers To people who don't have computers Who play them on their CDs You can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, W-A-T-T Site 41 Box 4 Estere, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E Ontario, Canada The postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, and the number 1. P, 3, E, 4, N, 1. But as I say, it's important that you you keep me going because I could go the other way and, and bring lots of guests on that are really just advertisers that will terrify you, then they'll push their product. That's generally how it goes. A lot of them are very good and they're up on their fields, but they do want to sell so I try to just stick to the basic news. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, uh, some people have written to me that they, the show seems to be breaking on them and uh, they can't catch up. Uh, I don't know if it's a feed from RBN. that Maybe an increase in bandwidth would do I don't know. And uh, Maybe that ones on the highest speeds don't get the same problem because they can buffer and perhaps they can catch up. I myself can't download my own show. But I've got problems also with ExploreNet Satellite Company because I'm rural area. Who punish me for using the satellite they cut me back to the, the, the bottom speed, even though I'm paying for high speed, somebody gave them the nod probably from the government and uh, they, they punish you basically, because of no competition there's nothing else in this area you can use but I think uh, too that maybe maybe the band width uh, is a problem the people are finding, they're on a medium speed, and they can generally download audios, I think a lot of folk go into this show and uh, it starts cutting out the bandwidth and then you you can't catch up with your the buffer that's a possibility and I get lots of emails sent to me but you have to tell RBN because I, I really can't do anything with it this end now um, crisis crisis is the, the greatest trick of all tyrants down through history it wasn't uh, an uncommon practice in ancient Rome for the the kings or the, fair, or, or the Caesars to just unleash the troops on their own citizens once in a while to keep them in line, to protect them because there was some terrible thing going on or could go on, or a possibility of going on etc, etc the same stuff as we have today and we've seen how in the last century for instance the, the fear of uh, the unknown basically, was used to hype up various wars and it still is today you can't have a government going off to war without trying to come up with a, at least a plausible explanation to the public there's always a good reason for what they do to the public and then there's always a real reason which is always geopolitical and economical in nature and, and long term planning and strategy nothing happens by chance governments do not go off to war uh, on a nod of their leaders at the drop of a hat. Uh, because they want to help some poor country that's in a mess we saw that with Rwanda when uh, uh, a small contingent of soldiers were there led by a Canadian general uh, who were left in the lurch, they got no help given to them they knew there was going to be a massive slaughter uh, France had paid apparently and trained and equipped uh, the, the rebel forces they called them and um, this was all all fed to the UN and the UN sat back and and told the general to sit back and do nothing and lots of people were slaughtered Uh, financial reasons were behind it too and uh, never mind just the massive coffee production that they do there but lots of things go on that were never told about for real reasons to go off to war so they left that one alone it wasn't uh, worth too much money to them Uh, They're going to the Yemen because they want to put pipelines all over the place through there, and that's the reason they're going into Yemen. Uh, It's the same thing with Afghanistan. In geopolitical terms, it's essential that they have that all under their thumb, the big boys, the big powers, so they can get all their oil pipelines going through. And uh, they'll bribe who they have to bribe because the ones at the top are used to bribery. That's how they get, uh, or their ancestors got up there and um, that's the world we live in, that's the real r- world that we live in we're never given real reasons and since 2001 we've had pretty well every right stripped from us, lots more, to, well not many to go there's not many left yet to go but lots of rights have been stripped from the average person under the guise of keeping you safe. The oldest oldest trick, as I say it's thousands of years old, oldest trick in the book and that there's no end to keeping you safe, literally If you were to go by the mandate of the police psychology and all the lectures they get, if they're going to prevent crime, they'd have to literally lobotomize us all and chain us all to the chair. Uh, Then we know where we we were at all times. And they're doing it in in another way. They're doing it by uh, using computerization and cell phones and tracking and all the rest of it to make sure they don't know where everyone is. At all times, is to go much, much further until it's mandatory with your ID card, as it already is in some countries in Europe. You have to have your ID card with you in Holland and different countries, uh, even to get on a bus or in a taxi or in a subway. And you, they can track you with all of this, you see. But uh, never, never believe uh, the plausible nonsense that, that the government dishes out to the press, that then. Reiterates it and puts it across to you You have to think for yourself Read your history, as Aldo Huxley said uh, It's the most important thing in in, uh, the world Is history Because you'll see these patterns being used over and over again And in good historical books They'll tell you uh, that uh, It's okay to tell you You see what happened in the past 100, 200, 300 years ago 500 or 1,000 years ago Because those people are all dead now and they accomplished what they wanted under the guise of crisis. Uh, they don't tell you about the recent things. That's up to you to have a memory and think for yourself and check into things. There's no way you'll know what's going on. It's no different from this whole world amalgamation stuff that we're going through. As I say, since 2001, they stepped it up. They used that not just as an excuse, I think, they did it themselves to bring it on. Uh, they simply did nothing to prevent it. And uh, since then, we've had crisis after crisis. We've had more crisis in the last few years than they had in the last hundred. And all, of course, unforeseen. And it's all bogus. All bogus. When they tested out the Y2K nonsense back in the year 2000, you'll notice a technique that's used by the press. And every media, every television media, would go round to the, the man in the street and the man man and the woman in the street, and they would say to them, do you believe in Y2K, and that all things will come to an end because all the computers are going to stop? They didn't say, what do you think of this, or what's your opinion? It was, do you believe? It's a faith-based thing, you see. They'll always do that with a con. I don't know if it's a legality they have, but they'll always give you that little clue. And of course it was a big con and billions of dollars were spent by governments on computers who found out once the clock turned after midnight that nothing crashed and the old ones that hadn't been updated were okay as well. It was one of these cons. Then we had 2001 and the so-called terrorist attack and then we've got the war off terror on the world and the, and the public as a stripper rights away until we're doing ridiculous things at airports and elsewhere. And police are strutting around like the military, which they actually are now. And uh, we've had the bank collapse. Of course, we, ha- we had this—the this, avian flu that uh, flew away in some other direction, out into outer space, that was going to kill millions of us. And then we had the swine flu, and that's when pigs might fly, and that flew away as well. And I said it would as soon as the press stopped talking about it, it would fly away and then the financial crisis took over they stopped talking about it and boom it disappeared because it wasn't really there and this goes on and on and on I can remember years ago listening to some politicians as they were prattling on about uh, another great scam of course these politicians all get big uh, lobbying money given to them by the lobbyists for technology etc but it was to put uh, massive radars and and, uh, satellites into space to detect incoming asteroids. Oh, a fear of asteroids going to smash us all to pieces. And uh, that was one of the big cons as well. And they've actually got projects on in that right now. And the politicians that promote that got awfully well paid for the technological companies that uh, are selling their stuff. It's the uh, greatest thing to sell anything is crisis. Crisis, crisis, crisis. Never ending. And never will be uh, ending either because they can wheel out as many paid experts as they want you would not believe how many prostitutes are up near the top especially in science because you see if you can't get your name in in the books of science the history book of science uh, you're nobody you don't get grants they live on grants scientists all live on grants Uh, and, and to be honest with you too if they go and work with the military industrial complex to make killer diseases they'll do it there's no qualms there, there's no moral qualms whatsoever. They put it down to, well, you see, it's uh, research for science, and we have nothing to do with morality or politics. And that's how they rationalize it to themselves. Take these big fat paychecks. The same with the weather nonsense and the, the fiascos with that that's going on right now. You've probably all heard about the, the solar shield. Uh, this just hit the papers there's nothing new in it but uh, there's time to roll out this one to see if we'll swallow that too and pay for all this nonsense but before I mention I'll go through this article which is from the Telegraph 13th of January 2010 we've been getting sprayed by aircraft for uh, since it was was 1998 1998 they started doing it frequently across Canada they, they tested it out in the U.S. and different places and Canada and Britain since the 50s. Different sprays on on the public, apparently for warfare purposes, which they did omit and declassified information later on. But they can also use the, 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 the technique that I think it was um, Taylor put forth, the, the inventor of the H-bomb, who worked for the Pentagon. He wanted to put all this stuff into the atmosphere like a big... A big shield of metallic particle substances, not to stop sunlight, but so that we could help use a HARP technology, HARP EMP technology, and literally put electronic signals across the, uh, a now much more electrified or conductive atmosphere. Uh, that's the same thing that Brzezinski talked about in the technotronic era, where they could use this across whole continents and alter their behavior, their thinking, and so on so it's not a new idea but they've been doing it but here they go Uh, and before I mention this again this article go and see Highlander 2 the movie because it's it's in the movie it was done years ago The Solar Shield and even that was a con in the movie as you would see back with more after this break Alan Watt, and this is cutting through the matrix. Just talk about the solar shield nonsense that's coming up now, a big money maker for all the big high-tech boys, and uh, the big usual corporations that are involved in the military industrial complex. Back in the 50s, they, saw, they said themselves, the changing face of war, eventually they'd have to go into security for home and all that stuff, and that's what they've been doing for an awful long time. But the Highlander movies, I say, had the solar shield in it. At that time, the, the hype and hype and hype from the UN and NASA, another part of the military industrial complex, was the ozone hole, the hole in the ozone layer that only NASA could detect with their special high-flying aircraft. No one else had the equipment, so you took their word for it. Uh, and even if there was a hole there uh, near the North Pole or the South Pole, maybe, maybe it's normal. I mean, if you just find something, discover it, as if it occurred, it might be normal. Of course, that was never mentioned. The whole idea was to terrify you and terrify you. And uh, that was it. Well, that's the reason they did it in the actual movie, The Highlander 2, Highlander 2. And uh, it says here in this article here, as I say from The Telegraph, Solar Shield and agenda climate summit well the climate summit's a farce in itself all the leaked emails we know all that's an utter con crisis creation and domination of the public for political uh, re- and sociological reasons because they want to vastly reduce the population and get us all on rationing uh, the way that good you know, fascists love to do it Emergency measures to slow global warming Such as solar shield to block the sun Or artificial trees to soak up CO2 Will be discussed at a geoengineering conference Remember the IPCC at the uh, the United Nations Uh, Most of them aren't even so-called experts at all They're they're all communists up there But they're well-paid communists So Well-paid by the big businesses And I read that article last night about all the corruption within the United Nations. They won't even investigate themselves anymore as billions of dollars just go missing uh, routinely. And it says here, One proposal is for a fleet of ships that would spray seawater into the sky and leave behind salt crystals to brighten clouds. NASA's idea the summit of climate scientists to be held in California in March will examine drastic techniques for slowing climate change have you seen the satellite photographs of Britain and parts of Europe that are utterly frozen in a standstill have you seen it Doesn't matter as I said If Jesus Christ himself came down Or Buddha or whoever else came down here They'd still deny it And carry on with the agenda Because you see They they dreamed up this agenda An awful long time ago And they don't change their their plans They never change their plans And it says Among the possible measures to discussed Would be ocean fertilization Which would see iron Dumped into the sea To boost plankton growth That was tried donkeys Years ago in experiments And even in labs And artificial trees that use a chemical process To soak up CO2 Like CO2 is a problem CO2 uh, follows uh, climate change it, it follows it, it doesn't cause it It's, it's caused by the sun Either sunspots or lack of them Most techniques focus on ways to, of reducing the sun's rays By blocking them using mirrors orbiting the space That was discussed by the Soviets back in uh, the, the 50s If you look into the old magazines of the time uh, And they want to use it also So that it could get people working night and day That reflect sundown to all the darkened parts We're all robots here, right? One proposal is for a fleet of ships, blah blah, blah The conference reported in The Guardian Comes amid concern that such techniques May be the only way to prevent average temperature rising Which it hasn't been anyway Mike McCracken, a global warming expert, is an expert at the Climate Institute in Washington, D.C., who makes his living on all this nonsense, who was organising the conference's scientific program, told the newspaper most of the talk about these geoengineering techniques say they should be saved until we get to an emergency situation. Well, the people of the Arctic might say they are in an emergency situation now. And we've read all the articles on this particular show of the fact that the ice was thickening over the last few years in the Arctic the same in the Antarctic as well. They tell you nothing but rotten lies over and over and over even when these characters are exposed by their cons and even their emails. That's how the world is run, by lies. Scientists at the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs say the techniques should not be ruled out but the more evidence from experiments is required well they'll get all their grants for that. The Swedish Society for Nature Conservation recently described geoengineering an act of geopiracy and warned that the world runs a serious risk of choosing solutions that turn out to be new global problems. Have you any idea of the folk that have already killed off since they were spraying heavily since 1998? That's when every pharmacist will tell you that antibiotics skyrocketed bronchial problems. People couldn't get rid of it. Children, elderly, all age groups people get asthma now in their 40s and 50s never happened before now it's common since 1998 common diagnosis because we're breathing this crap in you see and they know it at the top but they'd rather it it solves a lot of problems it kills a lot of people off depopulation as they also tax all the rest of the survivors into poverty for all these con games and, the geo- and as I say the military industrial complex needs alternate ways of making cash especially as we get closer and closer to, the, the, to a, a truly global society where there will be no nations to fight each other again that was thought up with think tanks back in the 50s as I say some geoengineering techniques are already being used on a large scale no kidding news of the Chinese stuff which is actually antique stuff that don't go on about what's been happening over the Americas Europe Sweden Denmark and everywhere else for years back with more after this break you're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth Diane Allen Watt were cutting through the matrix and uh, just to mention too that the articles i read in the past as well about the, the possibility of eventually spraying the skies with all this stuff which they've already been doing for 10 years about 11 years now um, could have terrible repercussions on the health of the public well no kidding how do they know that? because you see they're monitoring the health of the public and it's been, been spraying us for 10, 11 years that's why Crisis creation, crisis creation. Again, here's the, a good write-up on crisis creation, and it's from Mail Online, January the 13th. It says here, After this awful fiasco over swine flu, we should never believe the state scare machine again. By Christopher Booker. It says, So the government, as a Daily Mail has revealed, is trying to get rid of £1 billion worth, that's about two or more, Billion dollars of unwanted swine flu, so is Canada, uh, 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 swine flu vaccine because the deadly epidemic they were promising us all last year never materialized. Several things are shocking about this revelation, not least the charge by the Council of Europe's head of health. The major drug companies might have le- leaned on the World Health Organization while well, didn't just lean they they spilled a lot out their pockets towards the World Health Organization to stoke up last year's scare by a warning that swine flu could be a worldwide pandemic, killing tens of millions, remember, remember we we forget so quickly as Russian to the next crisis is fake as well certainly those companies have made vast fortunes, oh have they ever out of selling the vaccines which at our expense are now having to be flogged off at giveaway prices It says, but in a way most shocking of all is that this scandalous waste of public money and the wild overreaction which gave rise to it was entirely predictable. I can say this with confidence because I predicted it on this very page of the Daily Mail in April of last year, just when our government, led by the chief medical officer, Sir Liam Donaldson, was cranking up the scare machine to fever pitch by predicting that swine flu could be as bad as the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918, which they claim killed 50 million people worldwide. Even then it was clear that governments all over the world, led by the World Health Organization, United Nations, were in the grip of a hysterical panic over a swine flu. Our own government was holding emergency meetings in its crisis bunker, that's an underground bunker off Whitehall in London. The BBC Today programme wheeled on a World Health Organisation expert to predict that 40% of Britons would catch swine flu, while citing another unnamed expert as predicting that up to 1.2 million of us could die. A similar panic had seized politicians in America, where just one child died after a family holiday in Mexico one child even though that's compared with, with uh, and they give the wrong statistics because I've read the article too that you, n- you never get 36,000 people in a year that was to say the same thing when they try to flog the flu shop it says the Americans who die each year from more conventional strains of flu yet eight months later it was being reported by scientists that swine flu is only a tenth as virulent, virulent as ordinary flu it's, it's milder than ordinary flu most folk don't know they've had it and only one one-hundredth as virulent as that Spanish flu at the end of World War I. In other words, swine flu, just like the bird flu, which we were told by a senior World Health Organization, United Nations official, in 2005, was going to kill 150 million people worldwide the true death toll turned out to be barely 200 and that was all areas as I said before was traditionally drinking the blood of the chicken before you cook it. it has particularly turned out to be yet another example of that all too familiar and very dangerous disease of our time the scare phenomenon three years ago with a food safety expert Dr Richard North I wrote a book called Scared to Death a detailed study showing how scare after scare in the past 20 years has rocketed through the headlines costing us all billions of dollars before it was eventually revealed that they had been blown up out of all proportion and in many cases had no real justification at all. Based on years of research we traced the history of a whole sequence of such panics ranging from those over salmonella and eggs remember that one oh you can't eat eggs now there's salmonella in it then the BSE and beef Uh, uh, to the the millennium bug that was supposedly going to bring civilization to a halt at midnight on December the 31st, 1999 as half the world's computers were supposed to crash. That particular panic cost an estimated $300 billion. The Y2K nonsense. Before it was discovered that the countries which hadn't spent fortunes on sorting out their computers fared no worse than those who had. The purpose of our book was to show how consistently these scares follow an identifiable pattern. They invariably begin with some misreading of the scientific evidence, on purpose I would add to that, which then gets picked up and inflated into some major threat to human health or well-being. But the tipping point of any scare, the moment when it begins to create serious damage, is when politicians and governments get involved, buying the exaggerated threat, well, uh, they do more than buy, they get their pockets filled uh, wholesale and responding with a deluge of measures which end up costing us billions of pounds. Do you remember our health minister Edwina Currie in 1988, setting off that panic over salmonella and eggs, which was supposedly going to kill thousands of people because the bacteria were somehow getting inside the eggs they ate for breakfast? Few headlines greeted the government's admission four years later that salmonella was not getting inside eggs after all, and that whatever else caused a temporary rise in salmonella poisoning, it wasn't the eggs but by then the damage was done and more than 5,000 small egg producers had been driven out of business and the same thing by the way happened with the stuff uh, with the H1N1 chickens carry this stuff it's been here for millions of years with them and they killed off millions of hens across Canada and British Columbia especially all this panic nonsense have you ever wondered why they're going for the food supply at first they went for the fish oh there's mercury they can't eat the fish protein supply then the BSE remember the the bovine uh, problem they're going to have the the brain eating disease the spongy forming scatelitis they called it And, uh, and that was nonsense as well after they destroyed the whole cattle industry pigs, everything went up in pyramids of smoke most horrific thing and then they went after the eggs. It's all protein, folks. They're bringing in a greeny vegetarian world where you're eating, going to eat Monsanto's poisonous, noxious stuff. And you'll be much dumber than you are now. Believe you me. Back to the article. In 1996, when the greatest food scare all exploded over B.S.E., that's that uh, mad cow, Front page headlines greeted the suggestions by the government's chief scientist John Patterson that the death toll from uh, the croodsville jacob uh, disease caught by eating beef could, within a few years, reach 500,000 people. A year later, scarcely any attention at all was paid to Dr. Patterson's confession that he had now revised his figure uh, downwards to just well, maybe around 100. Uh, maybe I'll add to that. But by this time, a flood of government and, and economic union regulations were costing us an estimated £7 billion. £7 billions in cash. Again and again, we have seen this pattern repeating itself from SARS, that was such a fiasco, and dioxins to the confusion between different types of asbestos costing more than £100 billion in lawsuits alone and clear is that our modern world has become far too prone to getting these supposed threats out of all proportion now it's it's amazing because you don't forget all these businesses profit incredibly from it's the greatest trick in the book terrify the public you're all going to die but here's the antidote we just happen to sell it it'll be in short supply so it's going to be awfully expensive over and over and over again It goes on to say, exactly as I predicted last April, the panic over swine flu has provided yet another very expensive example of the pattern, showing features all too familiar from all those other scares which have already run their absurdly damaging and unnecessary course. Of course, governments must be prepared to meet any genuine threat to our health and well-being, but as history painfully shows, we become far too quick to overreact to dangers which too often turn out either to have been wildly exaggerated or never to have existed at all. The real problem is that too many people have a vested interest in taking up these panics beyond what the evidence can support. And it's not, by the way, just the economic sector. Definitely there. Bear- Right up there. But there's also a sociological and political agenda behind this as well, folks. As they bring you into the socialized society. And rationing will come. And mandatory sterilization will come. With these fanatics at the top. It's just, uh, you could go on and on and on about the farce that we, we think is reality, that most folk take as reality, the farce. You could go on and on and on and on. And, uh, and they've no sooner got one panic over than they hit you with another one. This is a technique that's been used against the world, especially at this day and age, this particular time, to give more power to the United Nations and all its departments. Like the World Health Organization, as they rise up to be the world government that it was intended to be in the first place. From raw story, goes on about here. Obama received 20 million dollars from healthcare industry. That's like the big pharma and stuff, you know. 20 million dollars in his 2008 campaign. Of course, that doesn't influence anything, folks. It it doesn't either give you the clue that all this farce we've been through recently was planned a while ago. (laughs) Could it? Could it be? Could it be? Oh, no, that would be stretching. Credulity, wouldn't it? January the 12th, 2010. So while some sunlight has been shed on the hefty sum shoveled into congressional campaign coffers in an effort to influence the Democrats' massive health care bill, Little attention has been focused on the far larger sums received by President Barack Obama while he was a candidate in 2008. A new figure based on exclusive analysis created for Ross Story by the Center for Responsive Politics shows that President Obama received a staggering $20,175,303 from the healthcare industry. During the 2008 election cycle, nearly three times the amount of his presidential rival, John McCain. McCain took in uh, $7,758,289, the center found. The new figure obtained by Ross through an independent custom research request performed by the Center for Responsible Politics, I think it's a non profit organization is the most comprehensive breakdown yet available of healthcare industry contributions to Obama during the 2008 election cycle. Currently, the Centre's website shows that Obama received uh, almost £20 from the health sector, which includes health professionals, as well as as broken down who gave them what, HMO services, the hospitals, nursing homes, uh, nursing homes are big business, uh, pharmaceuticals and health products. Gives you all the breakdown of what was given by the different organisations. Miscellaneous health donations from which Obama received $860,411 are also factored into the current total health sector numbers but are not accessible on the sites. Health insurance industry contributions, however, are not included. Within the centre's current health sector totals, rather contributions from the health insurance industry are contained within the site's finance and insurance sector. As is seeking a more complete total, the centre called health and accident insurance donations from the sector for which Obama received uh, $712,317 and combined them with its existing health sector total $20 million to arrive at his healthcare industry total, which is for $20,175,303. Uh, of course, it was just, he, these are, there's no strings attached, you understand, in politics. I mean, no, no, no. There's, no. there's no strings ever attached to anything. It's just, well, you know, if I get in, I might not, uh, if you do something wrong, I might not go along with you, you know. I've got to be upfront about that. I'm, I'm sure that's said very frequently with, by all politicians, okay. What a farce we live in, eh? What an utter, utter farce we live in. They call this living. Uh, and the thing is too, why it up to a site like, like, uh, uh, like as I say, the, um, the raw story. Why isn't the major media coming out with, with all this stuff? Well, they don't want... Who do you think the major media works for? Do you know the ads that they get from pharma and health and all the rest of it? Media is an essential arm of government because they give to you what becomes most people 's reality. Perception becomes reality for most people. I was talking to someone in a hospital in New York last night, and guess what they're, see, they're already implementing uh, this uh, healthcare plan it wasn't Obama 's idea. Hillary tried to get that through years ago. It was on the agenda, obviously, and, and it really is to bring in the bare bones healthcare like Britain's got or Canada where you die before you can get an x-ray you know maybe wait two or three years for something mind you if you want sterilised they'll do it very quickly and you go boom done cuts the population but this this, uh, particular person in New York this closed down the whole surgical floor of the hospital and they're leasing it out to I think it's the what they call um it's, it's the the, the sort of not critical care but the hospice hospice where you exit homes you die off they withdraw your food and your water, and if you're lucky and you bribe somebody in the right places they might change the bed linen once in a while as you die off that's what they're doing now they're, see, they're already implementing it now there'll be a few high-tech hospitals left very, very ultra expensive that the rest we can't get afford to get into, but the, the big boys will. You see, they'll, they'll make sure that, that will happen. Remember the World Health Organization, its own charter, says that they guarantee the, mo- the, the most basic, basic health care to every citizen of the world. And remember, being a socialist organization, they are eugenically minded. They believe in a high class system. They don't like to use the word "class. It's, it's your necessity to society, like the necessity to society. Are you up there or down there? That's how you're labelled. In Britain, and they've had this since about the 80s in Britain, that little that little um, checklist at the bottom of your bed, there, the board with all the little details on it, they mark you down in categories A, B, C, and so about who's to be resuscitated and who is not to be resuscitated and if two guys in a cardiac ward both wouldn't be arrested at the same time you look at the board they'll tell you which one to to try and resuscitate and which one to let go according to their status and their value to society that's social health care and if folk haven't noticed the totalitarian system we're in and I don't know how they can't notice it with police wearing combat boots, all given to them, mind you, before 9/11 hats. Yeah, nothing. Everything works and is set up in advance. Now the cops are arresting folk. They use their cell phone f- uh, photography, who record the cops arresting folk. Back with more after this break. Hey folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and talking about uh, don't, don't whether you do photograph police arresting people or even interviewing people because you'll get arrested for doing so. It's been going on for years, and this is one instance that happened uh, a couple of two or three years ago. But it's, it's from January the 12th, 2010, the Boston Globe. This is Simon Glick, a lawyer, was walking down Tremont Street in Boston when he saw three police officers struggling to extract a plastic bag from a teenager's mouth. Thinking their force seemed excessive for a drug arrest, Glick pulled out his cell phone and began recording. Within minutes, Glick said he was in handcuffs. One of the officers asked me where my phone had audio recording capabilities Click, 33 years old, said recently of the incident which took place in October 2007, Click acknowledged that it did and then he said my phone was seized and I was arrested. The charge it's called illegal electronic surveillance. It's illegal to photograph the police. John Surmax, this is 34, experienced a similar situation, thinking that Boston police officers were unnecessarily rough while breaking up a holiday party in Brighton. He was attending in December 2008. He took out his cell phone and began recording. Police confronted Surmax, a webmaster at Boston University. He was arrested and, like Glick, charged with illegal surveillance. There are no hard statistics for video recording arrests, but the experiences of Surmaz and Glick highlight what civil libertarians call a troubling misuse of the state's wiretapping law to stifle the kind of street-level oversight that cell phone and video technology make possible. The police apparently do not want witnesses to... Uh, to what they do in public said Sarah Wunsch a staff attorney with the American Civil Liberties Union of Massachusetts who, who helped to get the criminal charges against Surma dismissed Boston Police Spokeswoman uh, that's public relations or management perception if you don't know uh, Ellen Driscoll rejected the notion that police are abusing the law to block citizen oversight, saying the department trains officers about the wiretap law. If an individual is inappropriately interfering with an arrest, that could cause harm to an officer or another individual. An officer's primary responsibility is to ensure the safety of the situation, she said, right? So you photographing the cops, you could be 100 yards away, or, or interfering with the arrest and, and putting officers' lives at risk, you see. Utter... Rubbish Management perception That's what they do They take something like this Rehappening And warp it round You see To alter your perception Of something This is in 1968. Massachusetts became a two-party consent state One of the twelve currently in the country Two-party consent means that all parties to a conversation Must agree to be recorded on a telephone or other audio device Otherwise the recording of conversation is illegal So they're using this The law intended to protect the privacy rights of individuals Appears to have been triggered by a series of high-profile cases Involving private detectives who were recording people without their consent So they're using this in arresting people such as Glick and Surmas, the police are saying that they have not consented to being recorded, that their privacy rights have therefore been violated. This is cops talking. Their privacy rights have been violated. They're supposed to be working for the public, aren't they? And the only watchdog there is happens to be the public. I wonder how long it'll be in this police state, this world police state, before they take reprisals when something happens if they can't find the culprit and just grab a dozen of us off the street and shoot us. Think I'm kidding? Huh. From Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God, or your gods, go with you.